God, thank you for gathering us here today around something like the, like the, the resurrection and life. Right on the heels of what everybody perceived to be death and failure, you show up and bring life. And we're grateful for that. Encourage us by that reminder today. In the name of Christ, amen. Okay, you'll know right away what I'm talking about, but I love the little uh, the phrases that we create around today's theme. For instance, when we feel rejuvenated or focused, we say we've gotten a new lease on it. And uh, when things are just too amazing, poor words, you can't really describe it, we say that they are larger than it. And we love it when we get to live Riley's for him. We love that. Some say it doesn't really begin until the age of 40. Who agrees with that? Who's experienced that as true? It doesn't really begin until age 40. So that means that a handful of us are the only ones that are actually living it right now. Uh, one great film, one of the greatest films of all time, I think, reminds us that it's like a box of chocolates because you never really know what you're going to get. By the way, are there any people here who, because that's true, secretly turn the chocolate over and poke it to see what's inside there first? Yeah, and then you put it back and camouflage it. And it really works well if you still have young children in the house because you can blame it on the kids when the missus sees that you had... Never mind. Variety is the spice of it. And I'll tell you this too. If your upbringing was anything like mine, if your parents were anything like my parents, and if you were anything like me as a kid, you were threatened to within an inch of yours about once a year, right? Right? We also, we don't just learn phrases about today's topic. Uh, we've learned that there are certain things that we need in order to provide for it. For, for instance, we need, we've learned that it, it, it really runs better with protein. You need protein to sustain it. Right, Tommy? And so you who got the upgrade today, we want to remind you of, of the, the value of protein in sustaining this. Got you some protein. It's my new favorite source of protein. It's jerky. Wait a minute, though. This isn't just any jerky. This is this is the uh, this <laughs> this is the Cadillac of all. This is the Porsche of all jerkies. This is Crave jerky. I got you some Crave jerky. No, I bought this at Lucky's. You can get it at Safeway. Uh, this stuff is addictive. It's this. What, Jeff? This is the pineapple orange. Two of my favorite, my favorite flavors. This one is actually uses natural pork. This is some of the smoked grilled teriyaki uh, crave jerky. We know that we need protein to sustain this. We've also learned, scientists have also learned that we need coffee to sustain this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my daughter and son-in-law happen to work for Starbucks and Pete's. They have a, a mixed marriage. They, <laughs> and so they made sure that we could give you some of the sustenance of life. So here's a little Pete's coffee beans. Little, what do we have here? Dark Cafe Verona. Sorry, it's not decaf, but you'll have to, you'll have to just uh, deal with it. And, and I've learned, too, that in order to sustain this thing, which, of which the uh, of its variety is a spice, you also need... Tommy, come on up here with what you got there for me. You know what else everybody here knows, right? You need ice cream. You can't live... You cannot live without ice cream. You guys, Ben and Jerry's or Haagen-Dazs family? Okay, well, here's Haagen-Dazs strawberry. 
should be a little, the daughter is reaching in to intercept it from the mom. Should be a little spoon, I think, in the lid. Now, myself, I'm a Ben and Jerry's guy, so I want to share my joy with you. Here's chocolate fudge brownie. Got a little chocolate fudge brownie action there. If he drops it, it's mine. Who said that? A little Cherry Garcia. And a Dolce de Leche. I wish they'd put these things in English. Got a little... Who wants a little strawberry action? Darcy, this is for you. You need protein. And you need coffee. And Jeff, you need ice cream to survive in life. I personally consider ice cream a food group. I just love that, uh, that stuff. We remember what we need. We remember all these sayings about life and But you know what we forget sometimes about life? We spend so much time making sure we're sustaining it and making sure that uh, we're learning about it and sometimes so much time wishing we could live somebody else's, hey, right? That we forget who gave it to us in the first place. We forget that God gives life sometimes. I do. If you're like me, you do too learn a lot about it. One of the things we have a hard time remembering sometimes is who gave it to us in the first place. I was, uh, the, I was on the prayer team at an event called Chick. Our students are going to be going to Chick uh, this year. It's like 6,000 students from churches in our denomination show up at the same place. Uh, in Na- it's been in Tennessee and uh, Knoxville for the last uh, several years. And I was on the prayer team at Chick, and we would be walking around all this campus praying for kids and have these prayer team shirts on. And they began to come to us. And one time, an entire youth group uh, with their youth leader came to the prayer team and said, can we just get a special session with the prayer team? We have real needs. These were kids from inner city Detroit. So, I mean, the worst part of Detroit. And I was reminded of what we often forget when it comes to life. By listening to their prayers, we gathered in our room, and they said, can your prayer team pray over our leaders and pray over our students and pray for our ministry? We really have it rough. And uh, I was reminded of something we often forget by the way they started their prayers. And it, it was almost as though it had been scripted, but I knew that it wasn't. It just felt too real. And kid after student after student after student began their prayer something like this. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning and giving me life today. And then the next student would begin his or her prayer. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning and putting life and breath in my lungs today. As though they lived with the constant reminder that life is not guaranteed, it comes from the one who gives it. And I got to thinking, man, maybe when you live in a context where it is put at risk every day and you no longer take it for granted, you begin to pray prayers like that. Prayers that remember that God gave us life uh, in the first place. Scripture reminds us that God is the one who gives us life. Let me just read a handful of verses that remind us of this thing that we so often forget. In Psalm 139, listen to this. Speaking to God, the psalmist says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Two ways of saying the same thing, poetically. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
God as the creator of life, the giver of life. God gives life. In John chapter 1, reference to Jesus, part of, part of the Godhead. Jesus was fully God, being the creator. It says, in the beginning was the Word. There's a reference to Jesus there. The Word was with God. In fact, the Word was God. He was with God, the Father, in the beginning. And then this in verse 3. Through him, all things were made. And as, in case we missed the point, goes on to say, without him, in other words, nothing was made that has ever been made. In him was life. And that life was a light of all people. And then Peter in Acts chapter 3, actually making another point, challenging some people for some of the ways they've been living and the decisions they made, actually makes this passing reference that reinforces this point as well, that God gives life. He says, calling some folks out, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead the author of life, the initiator, the source, the giver. God gives life. No wonder those inner city kids prayed like that. They knew what we sometimes forget. God, who created life, has it as a gift that he offers to us, and he loves to give it. Hey, everybody. Are you doing okay? It's like halftime. Everyone's feeling okay? Good. Well, happy Easter. I think uh, Easter, uh, well, as a Christian, it's the greatest, most important holiday that we have. But I think uh, tradition-wise and symbol-wise, it is really weird. Have you noticed that? Um, this morning, we, uh, you know, we had the Easter bunny come to our house, which doesn't make any sense. And we have hard-boiled eggs, which doesn't make any sense. Does anyone even like hard-boiled eggs anymore? A couple of you guys. I had a couple horrifying experiences with them, and so I'm all done with them. Uh, but chocolate... <laughs> I can really get behind, but that still doesn't make sense. Easter eggs, chocolate, uh, the Easter bunny. Um, so that doesn't really make sense as far as the Christian celebration of Easter. Uh, are there any uh, Easter hat people? There we go. <laughs> Leroy, the fedora. Yeah, Easter hats. I love Easter hats. I keep trying to pull that off, but you can't wear a giant's hat on Easter and call it a, an Easter hat, which is kind of a bummer. And uh, butterflies and all, and that's all kind of nice too. But this morning, I wanted to share with you my favorite uh, Easter symbol favorite symbol in general, and this is the donut. Any donut fans out there? Well, um, donuts, I think, are the perfect symbol that help us understand Jesus. And um, I'm going to tell you all about that in a second, but I wanted to give this to you guys. Ackley, you guys hanging in? You guys doing okay so far? Ice cream, donuts, full insulin shock later. Sorry about that. Um, Well, donuts, I think, are all about life. And napping, I guess. If you eat a couple of donuts, you want to take a nap. But the deal is, when God made the heavens and the earth, he did not make donuts, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but what he did is he created all sorts of uh, grains and fruits and vegetables and all those sorts of things. Now, a donut doesn't just happen. As much as we would want a donut to happen, it starts out with this little tiny kernel of grain, a kernel of wheat. And uh, this kernel of wheat, believe it or not, is actually dead. Now, it has this memory of being a part of this glorious wheat field. And uh, these are kind of old school like Budweiser commercials, but remember the gigantic wheat fields? Uh, We don't really have wheat fields in California, but, you know, they have these gigantic wheat fields. And uh, this kernel of of wheat once was a part of this enormous bounty with all his buddies. Man, we're part of this wheat field. This is great. But the problem is the wheat kernel actually has to die. It's this dead seed, and it's actually worthless of itself, just as a seed. But the great thing 
is that this kernel, um, even though it's dead, it has this memory of life. Inside it, it has this spark of life. For whatever reason, this miracle of seeds, that even though they're dead, there's this something inside of them that longs to be planted and to express this full life that's inside of them, hidden. And uh, what is amazing to me is that God has given us this vision of life. And for many of us, we, we, can, we can resonate with the death part. We get that life is hard. We, re- we resonate that sin causes death and destruction, and it just messes us up. We recognize that we've messed up other people. We get the smell of death. But what is so amazing is that God does not leave us in our death. We inside, even th- those, who've been, those of us who have been the most messed up by sin, inside of us long for the way things could be. We long for this picture of life that is deep inside of us. And God offers us this way of new life on Easter. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions, for it is by grace that you have been saved. And we together are this pile of dead seeds that God in his love comes and gathers. He seeks us out. He brings us together, and he forgives us all of our sins, all of our transgressions, all of the brokenness and death that has marred our life. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, all of that sin is taken care of. He has rescued us. But what is so great is God doesn't just take this pile of seeds and rescue us and put us in the storehouse until the end of time and then go, look at all my seeds. God actually has something in store for us. And what he has in store for us is resurrection. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead. When he rose from the dead, we now realize that we worship a God who didn't just teach us how to do great things, a God who forgives us our sins, but a God who offers us life and life again. He takes what is dead and he actually infuses us with his life, his resurrected life, and now we have been offered life again. And so this kernel of wheat, which is dead, has this dream of life, gets planted in the ground, and sure enough, um, a, another head of wheat comes up with, that bears 10, 20, 200 um, more grains of, he- of wheat. But what I think is so great, I think is wheat is incredibly boring. Um, it doesn't taste good. I mean, there's some good options like uh, tortillas. Those are pretty good. And um, donuts are, of course, my favorite. And some of you are whole wheat people, and that's fine too. Um, but the deal is God knows that we are made for variety. And he takes a seed that is dead He infuses life into it. He resurrects it, but then he redeems it. He makes it unique and special and for purpose. And so now we're left with donuts. Donuts are good news, and they celebrate the love and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I pray that as a church, we would get that we are made for not just life, not just forgiven life, but life again through the risen Lord. Let's stand as we continue to worship God this morning. Hey, how's the Starbucks coming? Oh, here we go. Come on, bring it down. Let's, yeah. That is excellent. Yeah, seven pumps, seriously. Lauren, I'm a little surprised you went public with that, that you didn't just pretend that you don't get a seven-pump latte, chai latte. Uh, that's a little scary. Hey, we... Um, yeah, well, it's not normal under any conditions, I'm just telling you. Um, Hey, Ben didn't give this out because he was probably uh, embarrassed, but we have another gift for you. You know, Ben's got a book out called Holy Parenting. Have you guys seen this? And he, he wouldn't be so self-serving as to hawk the book, $10, $9.95 on Amazon.com. Um, 
But we're going to give you a copy, and uh, Ben, I'd like you to sign it on your way over. That would be great if you can just uh, sign your name, put a little help their family. Just give them a little pastoral wisdom, write something in there like, uh, no donuts. And, uh, and we also want to give you a gift, which is this for your, uh, your table credenza at home. It's a pastoral picture with all the pastors. So I know everybody wants one of these, so we frame that for you. Good luck with that. Um, we want to see that when we get invited over. We want to see that, like, right front and center by the wedding picture. All right. Art said, he told us that he brings life. And that, that would say yes. So we're celebrating. We're celebrating the life, the death, but then the life of Jesus, the resurrection. We say he brings life, and we go yes. And Ben says he brings life again. And we go yes, yes. That's the forgiveness that we crave. That's what we long for. That's what we all need, is we need to be restored into a relationship with God. So he brings life, and he brings life again. And we say yes to that. Here's what I have an almost impossible time getting my head around. And here's the truth. And here's what we celebrate as well today. He brings life again and again and again and again. That's the God that we serve. That's the salvation that was accomplished for us on the cross. I'm going to teach you a Greek word today. Okay, you ready? Here we go. It's a Greek word. Okay, paris suo. Okay, can you say that? Paris suo. Say that. Okay, some of you didn't say it because you're guests and you're like, really? I don't know. Yeah. Paris suo. Say it. Ready? Paris suo. Paris suo. Isn't that a good word? It sounds almost Italian. It's so good. Paris suo. Here's what paris suo means. Paris suo means overflowing, in excess, uh, abundant, abounding, welling up, bubbling over. This is what the word parasuo means, and it's all through the scriptures. And before I get to the scriptures, let me give you the example of what I think parasuo is. This is one of the best examples of parasuo. Uh, I, I, was, I was on the freeway in the Twin Cities, and uh, my wife, I was uh, on a fundraising trip, and I worked for Covenant Bible College, and I was visiting uh, some people, and uh, I got a call from my wife, and I remember exactly where I was in Minneapolis on the freeway. I can just still picture it, and she's crying. <laughs> Honey, what are, you, what? what are you doing? What's going on? And I was watching TV, and there's this new show called Extreme Home Makeovers. <laughs> you with me? She's sobbing. It was when the show was new, and she started to tell me this story, because Extreme Home Makeovers, friends, is parasuo. Because what happens is they find a family, and subsequent to that, we have friends who were builders, Matt and Megan Howland, and they, their company did an extreme home makeover. And they said it was so powerful because they just didn't find somebody who said, dude, you're an embarrassment. Look, your porch needs to be fixed and you need a coat of paint. They don't do that, right? The one that Linda saw, they went into this inner city Detroit and they found a family where a single mom was gathering every kid whose parents were incarcerated or whose, you know, it was her cousin's kids who couldn't take care of them and just was filling her house with all these kids with all these needs, Right? And she was taking care of everybody. And she couldn't afford this house that was falling apart. And she couldn't afford all the things that they needed. So these guys came in. They didn't throw a coat of paint over it. They didn't throw a little bit of a solution to it. They redid everything in a parasuo kind of way. Right? You with me on that? I mean, they built individual rooms. They got to know the children that were in there and what those children needed. And they created a giant dining room table because all of those kids needed to be part of a family. And the laundry room was to die for because there were like 11 children 
living there, right? And there was a backyard with hoops and astroturf, and the mom got a, a, um, a master bedroom suite retreat, they called it, so she could retreat from the 11 kids that she was raising, right? So when they go, move that bus, right? It wasn't like, oh, the porch is straight. It was parasuo, right? And remember what they all cry out all the way. They go, go see your house. And remember what everybody screams as they're walking through the house? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's something in the heart of each of us who says that's where parasuo comes from. It's way over the top. It's overflowing. It's abounding. And Jesus' most famous proclamation about himself was he said, I came that you might have life and have it parasuo. You with me on that? That's what he said. I can't, you might have life and have it to the fullest, to have it overflowing, to have it abundantly, to have it overwhelmingly. This is then all over the scriptures, the seed motif that Ben was talking about in the parable of the soils. When that seed, the gospel, the good news of Jesus takes root in good soil, it says it comes up and produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times more than was sown. That's parasuo in, in, in essence. Jesus was, went out and the guys were catching fish and he said, hey, put your net out there. And they go, no, we've been, catching, we've been trying to fish all night long and there's nothing in the water. He goes, put it over on this side. And they put their nets over and there were so many fish when they pulled them up that it, the nets were tearing and fish were all, oh, is parasuo in its essence. That's what was going on there. The woman who poured perfume out on Jesus, she didn't be to anoint him as the Savior and as the sacrifice for the world. She didn't just dabble a little perfume on Jesus. It says that she broke the neck of the alabaster jar and she poured it out on him. And the people who were frustrated with it were saying, that is a year's worth of wages, friends. She said to Jesus, parasuo, that is, I am pouring out on you. I mean, it's all through the scriptures, this idea of parasuo. Jesus, how many times should we forgive the way you forgive? Should we forgive? How many times? Seven times? He goes, no, 70 times, seven times. That's how you forgive. He broke loaves and fishes, a couple of bread, pieces of bread, and a couple of fish, and he fed 5,000 people, Jesus did. 5,000 people, that's parasuo, in fact. When Jesus was done feeding 5,000 men, there were probably women and children there as well. When he got done with that, he said to the disciples, now you go pick up what is left over. And for them, it filled enough baskets so they could have all that they wanted to eat. When he said, go pick up the leftovers, the Greek word in there, you go pick up the parasuo. There is more than we ever knew what to do with. Friends, Jesus came that we would have life and have it overflowing. He comes to give life again and again and again. That's the God that we worship this morning. And some of us came to him, some of us came to him for a coat of paint. We had no idea that when the bus moved, we had a dream home. Some of us came for a solution. And he gave us life, parasuo. celebrate the life that he gives us this Easter. Are you remembering what he has done for you? And it isn't, it isn't always like, yeah, everything's perfect, right? I mean, we know that. This morning, the life in our first gathering, even though we had no power and we were acoustic, and we, there was life there and things weren't going perfect. It's not what it's about. But it's the life that he gives 
the parasuo life, where he said, God's grace will parasuo to us. It will abound to us, 2 Corinthians 9, so that in all things, at all times, we have everything we need. That's the life that he gives, and we celebrate that. What has he done in your life? We started Holy Week a week ago today proclaiming Hosanna, he saved me. And we wanted to bracket, we wanted to put brackets around our Holy Week and finish this morning with one more great song. But we want, we're going to, I'm going to put the microphone out here again. And we do this sometimes on Thanksgiving. But if there is something, put that on there for me, Jackie. If there's something that you know you need to give thanks to the Lord for, for what he has done by saying to him, I thank God thank God. And what has he done in your life? What what has he given you in your life? Is it for the people in your life? Is it for the, the, the provision, for the sustenance? Is it for the healing in your heart? We're going to bracket Holy Week by just a few more voices. What has God done that you can say this sentence, I thank my God for, and then finish it? love for you to come up. It's crowded. You're going to have to get by somebody. And maybe you thought last week I wanted to share and I, I, I lost my nerve or we ran out of time or I didn't want to get by anybody. I want you to feel free this morning. We're going to take a couple of minutes. Come up and if there's more than one person, we'll just line them up right here. I thank my God for this is the life he's given us. Come on up and share.